Have you wondered how to talk with your children about sex or how to create a healthy sexual culture in your home? Due to the nature of this topic, this will be an episode that you'll want to save to listen to without little ears around. Time and time again, moms have asked for a conversation on this topic, so I did it here with Greta Eskridge. Greta is a mom who loves to adventure through life with her four children. She loves adventuring so much that she wrote a book about it. You should all have her book. It is so inspirational. It's called Adventuring Together. And if you don't follow us on Instagram yet, you should do so this week because I'll be giving away a copy of her book there. I can be found at Seek Holy Living and Greta is at Ma and Pa Modern. Greta speaks all over the nation on the difficult topics of creating a healthy sexual culture in your home and protecting children from pornography. What a joy and privilege it is to have this conversation with Greta Eskridge today, and I would challenge you, as you listen, consider what friends you can share this with to support them in their journey of parenting as well. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living Podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Greta, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm really glad to be here. I am so glad to be able to have this conversation with you on a topic that I can't even tell you the number of times that moms have asked me to have this conversation when I've said, what do you want to hear about? And the number of times that they've said, will you talk about sex? How do you talk with your kids about sex? And it really goes back to the entire culture in your home. And so talking about how to create a sexual culture in your home is so important and it starts at an early age. So let's jump in. Why, well, what is a healthy sexual culture? Let's start there. What does that even mean? Well, um, I think what it means is that there, um, there's a atmosphere in your home where the idea of, um, the different parts of our body, especially the sexual parts of our body are not things to be afraid of, ashamed of. Um, instead they're considered to be regular parts of the body all, um, have a use just like every part of our body, um, because we're created by God in his image. Therefore, um, all of our body is worthy of respect and worthy of celebration. Um, and it's also creating an atmosphere in your home where things, um, where we don't have to be afraid to talk about sexual things. We don't have to be afraid to ask questions. Um, we don't just keep everything hush hush. Um, we don't have made up names for sexual body parts because we're afraid to use the real words. Um, everything is just kind of open and above board. And, um, it's a place where, again, really we're emphasizing, uh, the human body is created in the image of God and it's worthy of respect and it's worthy of celebration or admiration because God made you and you're incredible. And so when you create that culture in your home, it goes a long way 
in protecting your kids from things like pornography or sexual abuse because you have helped them um, learn these ideas from an early age. And even things like how they treat other people because they've learned not to objectify and use other people. But instead, like I said before, coming back always to the idea of respecting the human body because it's made by God. It's interesting how your biblical worldview, I mean, our biblical worldview should be shaping the way that we do everything in our home and the way that we train our children and the way that we serve them and the way that we teach them all things. Yet somehow we put, I think maybe because of our own, maybe because of our own shame or just being fearful. What if they asked more than I wanted to talk with them about or a detail that I didn't feel like I wanted to share, or maybe even something about our own past that feels shameful. We separate God's design and God's good design of sex and the human body and that worldview when we're teaching our children by sometimes just saying nothing. Yeah. It's not, it's not right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an easy mistake to make because we do feel embarrassed. I mean, who wants to talk about sex with their kids? It feels weird. Right. But I think if you, if you start, um, if you start with them from an earlier age, it really does decrease the awkwardness. And the more you are open about having these conversations, the less awkward it becomes. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, that goes a long way to helping your kid grow up into a person who can enter marriage with not feelings of shame or embarrassment or fear, but instead like, okay, um, this is, this is God's gift to me and to my spouse. And, um, it's going to take us a while to figure it out, but we're going to work on it because it's what he gave to us. And, um, we're going to work on it together and we're going to enjoy his good gift. And that's ultimately the goal that we have for our kids. It is the goal we should have for kids. It's the goal I have for my kids. And it's why this topic is so important to me. That sounds like such a funny goal to say, like, I want, it is. I want my children to have good sex one day, but it's, yep, it's, it's true. <laughs> I remember my mom took me when I was, when we were getting, when we were engaged and we were getting married soon and she took me shopping for lingerie and we went together and we went to Nordstrom's and bought some really pretty things. And I was so excited about it. And she was excited for me. Aww. And I remember the night before we were getting married when I was packing my bags and I was with some of my friends and, you know, showing them what we bought and, um, telling them, you know, my mom and I went shopping and if you had seen their jaws just hit the ground, you and your mom went shopping over these things. And I said, yeah, because it was always, she she did a great job. I feel like preparing us for this being a good thing. And I'm so thankful for that. It sounds like she did a really good job creating a healthy sexual culture between the two of you. That's amazing. I love that story. So one of the things that I've heard you talk about before as a way to start this, because thinking about if you're starting at an early age is by calling things by their actual names. Why do you think that's so important? (laughs) Um, Well, I think it's important for a couple of reasons. The first just being that um, when we make up names for our body parts, especially sexual ones, which are typically the only ones that get made up names, we're inadvertently applying shame. And we're, we're kind of saying, Hey, we're afraid to talk about these 
we can't use the real names because they're embarrassing. And so instead we're going to use made up names. Um, we don't have a made up name for a knee or an elbow or a nose. And so we don't need a made up name for anything else because God made all the parts mm -hmm. and they all have a specific purpose and, and a reason for being a part of our body. And when we look at it that way, it's just practical. You know, um, when you go to the doctor, he's not going to use made up names. He's going to use the real names. And so if we approach it that way with our kids, we're showing them, um, those truths that their body is um, designed by God. It's purposeful. And again, worthy of respect, mm -hmm. worthy of having the real name given to it. And um, the other reason that it's really important is it does offer uh, a layer of protection for our kids if there were ever to be um, a truly unfortunate thing that they were abused for them to be able to say specifically where they had been touched by a, someone that gives credibility and power to their story. And that's something we need. I would hate to think that anyone would discredit a child for saying that this happened, but that could, that could be the case. And if they're able to say something specific with specific language where they were touched instead of a made up name, then it gives credibility, like I said, to their story. So those are two reasons that I think it's important to use language, um, to use the real language for our kids' sexual body parts. And I think when you start at a young age by by doing that, you are actually setting the stage for those bigger, more awkward and seemingly more difficult conversations that will come down the road. Mm -hmm. But you're already laying this foundation of, hey, this is normal. We're not afraid to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, if a mom has, you know, little ones, so that's a really good place to start. Yes. If a mom is listening, who doesn't have little children mm -hmm. and her kids are already, you know, maybe elementary age, because mm -hmm. I would say, you know, having kids on all ends of the, ends of yeah. the spectrum, we'd go from baby up to 11 right now. Yeah. Um, that that's just been, again, part of our culture that we just call things what we call them. Yeah. And it has allowed those conversations to grow to different mm -hmm. places naturally. If a mom is listening to this, who has a child who's a little bit older, and maybe they've been calling something their hoo-ha or whatever it's been, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, how, how do you recommend she kind of like try to reclaim that? <laughs> do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just have to, again, it's just so much we we put so much we have so much fear about these conversations where i think if we just make it real matter of fact and straightforward something like hey you know what um you're almost eight now you're almost 10 now you're 14 now and when you go to the doctor the doctor's not going to say um you know i have to check your wv to make sure both balls are in the sack, like he's going to say, I need to check your um, testicles under your penis. He's going to use real language, mm -hmm. um, the medical terms for your body parts. And so we're going to start using those terms too, because you're old enough now to use those real words. And um, you can just make it just like, just basic. And, you know, like your child might be like, Oh, their eyes might get big or they might giggle. Um, and that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that response, but you just have to take that first step and make that um, conversation happen and set the tone. And so, um, I think the other thing that you can do is a lot of times we just, like you said earlier, we say nothing and, and that becomes kind of like 
the easy way out. But um, if if we just casually, you know, bring the the real words into our conversation when it fits appropriately, you're not going to do it in a way that's <laughs> totally obvious, and your kids are going to be like, "This is so lame, mom." Um, but but say them and bring them up when it's appropriate, so that you're being the example for them. I like that you included kind of giving the child a little bit of new responsibility Mm -hmm. as they're older in bringing up a conversation, because I think that that's something that almost allows the child to feel proud, like they're being entrusted with something new. Mm -hmm. Um, So rather than just, Hey, we really should talk about this, but Hey, I've been noticing you're really growing up into a really responsible young man or a really just mature young woman. And there's something that we haven't talked about yet. And I think you're ready because of how God is growing you up and you've just been showing your responsibility in these different areas. We're going to have a kind of grown up conversation about some things that if there isn't a way that it's just like naturally comes up to just say, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about this. Things have been named. We'll say that. (laughs) What do you think the next step is? (laughs) Well, um, I mean, of course, as your kids get older and they go into the era of puberty, which, you know, that can be from anywhere, depending on the kid from nine to 13 or 14. Um, But there's like, that's the perfect opportunity to, again, cultivate this culture of we're not afraid. We're not embarrassed. This isn't shameful. This is what your body is designed to do. It's what it's created for. I mean, just recently, my nine-year-old said to me, we were reading a book about ants and how ants follow each other's pheromones. Well, he has heard the word hormones because he has three teenage siblings and a mom who's middle age and her hormones are crazy. So he knew the word hormones. So he goes, wait, it's hormones different than pheromones. And I was like, Oh, thinking to myself, this is a perfect opportunity to have a conversation with him to help him understand a little bit more about hormones, not just what he's heard in kind of the background regarding these other people, what they're dealing with. So I just had a a quick, like literally like three minute conversation with him about what hormones are and how he's pretty soon going to start experiencing what the hormones will do in his body and how they'll impact him. And he'll grow hair on his chest and his, you know, voice will get deeper, like his brothers. And, and we talked about some specific things, you know, hair growing in his pelvic area. And when I said that, he goes, Hmm, maybe I just want to stay nine. (laughs) (laughs) And and again, that's another opportunity for me to say to him, no, it's okay. This is what your body is designed to do. It's what God made your body to do. There's nothing wrong with it. It feels, it might feel weird. It might feel strange and that's okay, but he's preparing your body to grow up. And that's part of the process. So it doesn't always have to be this big extravagant conversation where they're feeling like, Oh my gosh, my mom saddled me with, or my dad saddled me with so much information. It can just be those quick, just giving them little tidbits as they're, as they're growing up and they're seeing their body change and handled in a way that's upbeat, that's encouraging. That's not fearful. It's not shameful. It's not heavy. Yes. So share, share that quote from the book, the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom, where she has that conversation with her father, because I think that that really goes along with this topic as well. 
Gary. Yeah, they're they're on the train and they're talking about she asks him a question about sex and she's pretty young and he doesn't feel she's ready for the full information that, that she's requesting. And so he gives her a little bit just what she needs. And he said, I, I don't want to give you too much because I don't want the the bags that you're carrying to be too heavy. And he's likening it to her going, stepping onto the train, if she had to carry these heavy bags of luggage, that it would be so hard for her to travel. And so I think that that's should always be our approach with our kids. when we're talking about anything to do with sex. We don't want to give them too much. We don't want to burden them. We want to give them enough so that they feel safe. They feel comfortable. They, uh, again, they're encouraged. It's upbeat. We're not weighing them down with heavy information. Like, you know, like we would never want to say to our daughters, Oh, you're going to start your period. It's going to be the worst. You know, um, that's not the, that's not the attitude we want to saddle them with. Right. We want to say this, this is what God designed your body to do, to be able to bear children. And yes, some parts are going to be hard. That's okay. Um, Boys, it's going to be weird when your voice changes and there's cracks, your voice cracks. And sometimes it's going to sound so funny and you might even feel uncomfortable, but we're going to laugh with you. And we're going to celebrate that you're growing up into a man. It's not something to be embarrassed or ashamed or afraid of. Mm -hmm. I love that you're, son was asking questions too, because of your study in nature that I find that we have been so privileged to work on a farm. I worked on a farm Mm. for 10 years and then there was COVID. So now, (laughs) but before that, since my firstborn was a baby and the time in nature and being in nature together and studying Mm. nature together and being around animals that you can't, I mean, I don't even know how you could live in Southern California and not have flies mate in your house. Like (laughs) it's it's around you. Even if you try, even if you're not an outdoors person, don't get to work at a farm. You see life happening in nature. That can be such a natural place for conversations to start. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. I think nature is one of the best ways to help our kids learn about sexual reproduction in a way that just feels really natural and normal. And I mean, the funniest stories can come out. They don't realize it's funny, but we as parents could crack up. I remember one time my kids, we were at the park and there were some ducks that were clearly mating. And, um, uh, there was a grandma and her little granddaughter watching and the little granddaughter goes, why mommy or grandma? Why, why is that duck chasing the other duck? And the um, grandma goes, oh, they're just playing tag. And my my second son, who's very um, much about telling the truth, he and he was only like seven or something. He looks at her and he goes, they're not playing tag, they're mating. And <laughs> grandma looked like horrified and she hustled her kid off. But it's true. Like, it wasn't embarrassing. It's like, hey, this is what they do so they can have ducklings. Like, it's such a great way for our kids to see the way babies come around. Right. Mm-hmm. We, um, at the farm being at the farm and where babies are born, animals are born. And yeah. we've only been here. We've worked there for a decade and we're only, we've only been there for one birth, okay. um, but it was beautiful. It was goats and it was a, such a special time. But a lot of times when you're there, it's still after birth. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a, a goat had a baby, you know, in the last couple of days, that's pretty yeah. common because goats give birth a lot. Yeah. And um, so oftentimes there will still be blood 
on on the back of the mama. And it's so interesting because of growing up and seeing that and being around it, we've just always talked about that. That's their lifeblood. Yeah. That's the lifeblood that the mama had in her body to help the baby so that the baby could grow in a healthy place and be born and, and look at the beautiful baby that came. And then the mom will clean off the rest of that blood. It's no big deal. Yeah. Um, I hadn't realized that that was a healthy thing for my children. And I was having my first home birth Mm. and my third was born at home. And I remember sitting with my midwife in her office and I had my kids with me who were um, at that time, almost three and almost six. So five and two. And she asked me, so have you talked with your children about the birth? And I said, well, yeah, we've talked about it. And I'm sure she knew that she's had moms probably say, well, yeah. And maybe like, really? No, right. (laughs) Me too. You shouldn't be having babies with your children in the house if you haven't had this conversation. And, um, and so she asked one of them, um, I think it was the five-year-old asked him, what do you know about when the baby will be born to see, like totally called me on it. And when he said, so matter of factly something about, and there might be some lifeblood and went on and she said, oh my gosh, what a wonderful way to put it. And yeah. it's so interesting because that has just become even being postpartum, you know, my kids, mm-hmm. this were 11 and eight yeah. and five when I was postpartum. So they are, are around it. It's not like everything's just hiding. Yeah. The baby was born and, and, and something came up the other day about hormones in the car and a woman having a period, I think. I think one of the kids was asking if I could get pregnant again right now. Yeah. So I just explained no, because my, you know, my body hasn't had that time again where it recreates that lifeblood. And then, and it just was not a big thing. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's in the car for it. So the younger right. kids catch it at whatever they catch yeah. or catch, but it can just be conversation. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's so strange because our culture in some ways is so oversexed. Mm. I mean, it's oversexualized. It's everywhere, but it's not really um, sex in the way as we know God intended it to be. It's not a real education. Um, it's just images of people wearing far too mm. <laughs> far too few clothes and, and uh, behaving in ways that objectifies their bodies, but that's it. It's not the real story. It's not all the information of how things really work and how, you know, beautiful and how hard, uh, you know, the different parts of, of childbirth are and all of those things that's all hidden away. Right. We don't want to talk about that stuff. Um, and, and that's the part that we have to be honest with our kids about. We have to tell them this is all part of the story. This is all part of the process. And it's all, um, it's all God's design and um, it's important and it's valuable and it's what you're created for. And we don't have to be afraid to talk about it. We don't have to be ashamed. In fact, when we are able to have those conversations with our kids. Instead, we're showing them human bodies deserve so much more. Human beings deserve so much more respect than um, what we give them when we toss that sexualized image up on a screen or on a billboard or an advertisement at the grocery store. Um, That's what we want them to come away with. And I think that, gosh, isn't that just like Satan to say, I'm going to take, yeah, I mean, God's first command was to be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to take what God had intended for such good 
mm-hmm. and instead take it and twist it into something that instead provokes fear in moms to even make a healthy part of a home. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if you, if you think about yourself as in, you know, married and, and how, um, much goodness and joy, uh, are added to a marriage when you husband and wife have a healthy sexual culture and healthy sexual communication, how, um, how good that is for your marriage. Wouldn't you want to start teaching your kids how to do that from a young age so that when they get to, um, be married, that they're prepared for that and they're equipped and they don't have to come into the, the union with their spouse, feeling afraid and ashamed and embarrassed and don't know how to handle those conversations. Instead, if we can give our kids the tools now, it'll help them, um, hopefully make wise decisions about their own sexuality as they're growing up and then step into marriage ready, um, to have conversations with their spouse. That's, that's really what we're working here towards. Yeah. Yeah. We did a conversation, an episode a while ago about sex and intimacy in marriage. And it was last February of 20, I guess, 2021. And, um, one of the things we talked about is how you model a healthy sexual marriage in front of your children. Yeah. Well, how do you think that's important as part of this conversation? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, like I have said to my kids before, when they, they all reach a certain age where, you know, they're used to seeing Aaron and I kiss and, um, you know, uh, not so much hold hands or hug. We do those things, but those aren't the things that really they notice. They reach this age where it's the, the kissing where they're like, Oh my gosh. Or, you know, they walk in the kitchen and we're, uh, you know, in a tight embrace and kissing, not making out just kissing, but they, the suddenly they're more aware that there's something going on. And, and so they might roll their eyes or groan and, um, and I don't chastise them of that, but I, instead I say something like, Hey, it's better to have parents who kiss than parents who don't, because I want them to understand that that kind of physical intimacy is a sign that we love each other and we're connected in a physical way. And I'm not going to go into great detail beyond that because that's not something they need to know, but I do want them to understand that physical connection um, with a spouse is so valuable and important. So whether that's modeling, we hold hands, we kiss each other, hello, but we also might steal a semi-passionate kiss in the middle of the day. Like those are okay things for them to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I remember back thinking about nature again, I know mm-hmm. you're a past like lover of all things. Mm-hmm. nature. So I would encourage anyone listening to for sure, find you on Instagram and get your book because mm-hmm. if you are not a family who spends time in nature advent- or adventuring together as a family, you really should. And Greta's book will really encourage you and challenge you to do it. And you will make memories that will serve you and your family so, so well. Um, I'm so thankful I grew up in a family that did grow up in nature and adventuring together. And um, I will link your book in the show notes because I just can't recommend it enough. Mm, Thanks. Such an encouraging book. Yeah. And I think that that is um, part of the reason I wrote that book is because I really do believe that creating really strong connections as a family. That's one of the best gifts we can give our kids um, 
uh, to protect them from sexual dangers, but also to prepare them to create that in their own family when they grow up is to create connection. And um, there's, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can do that. I love doing it through adventure. And there's like so many, you know, wonderful byproducts that come of that, like you said, spending time in nature and nature is a great teacher mm -hmm. for that healthy sexual culture, <laughs> having those conversations with our kids. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's kind of a funny way to wrap up a podcast, but I'm going yeah. to challenge moms to make it a goal. If you haven't done it, be the mom who sets a time on your calendar and says, we are going to this night, talk about sex. If we haven't yeah. done it, we're going to have a conversation and empower your child yeah. to be incurred, to feel responsible and to carry the load that they're able to carry right now. So that you're preparing them for a healthy biblical worldview of sex and a healthy sex life in their marriage. And you're giving them a gift that yeah. will carry them through their life so much further than, um, than so many other things that we do prioritize giving to our children. Yeah. So encourage moms, be the moms who do it and share it with a friend and challenge her. Maybe set a time together by this time next week, we are both going to talk with our kids about sex. And then we're going to talk about it and hear how it went. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Do it. All right. Thank you so much, Greta, for being here. I so appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. I am so glad that you could join us today for this conversation. This is so extremely important. I'm so thankful that Greta could be here. She just just shares information so graciously. And I know that if you enjoyed her conversation with us today, you will love her book. So I'm going to do a giveaway of her book on Instagram this week. If you don't follow me yet, find me at Seek Holy Living, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y Living on Instagram. And also follow Greta at Ma and Palm Modern. And we will do a giveaway of her book, Adventure Together. It's fantastic. It's an easy read that's so enjoyable and full of so much truth that will just inspire you in your mothering. And um, I would also ask you, if you have not yet reviewed our podcast, if you can go on to whatever platform you listen to your podcast, give us a five-star rating and write a little review and push subscribe. Every time someone does that, it makes it easier for other moms to find this. And that is my mission in this, is to be able to speak truth and encouragement to moms because don't we need it? What a joy it is to be able to walk alongside each other in this adventure of mothering that God has called us to. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope to, you can join us again next week. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below, where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week as we talk about tools of discipline for young children.